Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy C I W Z Y live action back at it again with another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. And listen, I'm excited today, man. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for weeks, months, damn near a year, to be honest. Once we hit the the summertime here in a few few a uh, few months, damn near a year in, in the making. So this gentleman we have on the show today is a senior associate at 68 Capital, uh, uh, a man that's passionate for big ideas, entrepreneurship, tech, art, community, and most importantly, he's just a good man. He's a good human. He's he's genuinely curious about other human beings and what they're doing and how they're interacting with the world. He's genuinely interested in developing honest, genuine relationships with everyone he crosses paths with. And if you just see him in action um, in a setting with, with a community of people, you would realize that within seconds. So thankful today to have Nasir Chris, again, senior associate at 68 Capital, amazing individual from the East Coast, I believe. Go ahead and say what's up to the people, my guy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Value podcast. Kaz, I appreciate you for having me, man. This is a blessing and this conversation has been long overdue man so i'm excited to trade knowledge swap value if i can do that um and just enjoy ourselves here we have a good discussion on this beautiful sunday absolutely man thank you for making time where are you at right now what what part of the country are you in um if anybody listens to this podcast and follows you they know you're in a different city damn near every 48 hours so where are we finding you today <laughs> Um, I'm in Virginia. Uh, my family is here. Um, and so in between traveling, you know, I try to spend as much time as I can with family, typically because I'm living in different places every couple of years. So it makes it harder for me to get back. So when I have an opportunity to do so, I always try to get uh, a little bit closer to my family and get that reset. Everybody, I think, needs to have people that can anchor them and support them throughout their journey. Absolutely, brother. And, and with that being said, I kind of want to touch on your origin story. So Nasir, like five, six-year-old you, where were you living? What were you interested in? Who did you think you were going to be when you were older? Like, what do you remember about childhood? Touch on it. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, North New Jersey, about 45 minutes, 30 minutes from New York City on the train. Um my family always been super hardworking, but I would say um, we didn't have all the luxuries of life. Um, you know, I remember at the earliest ages, my parents working multiple jobs to try and make ends meet. Um, but, you know, always giving me, um, I would say, like the safety of roof over my head, clothes on my back, food in my stomach. And so uh, for that reason, I'm, I'm forever grateful to them. But, you know, I, I found myself at a very early age, just as you kind of mentioned from just knowing me, just curious. I think that if I were to describe myself, I've always been a person that has had this insatiable kind of uh, desire for knowledge and, and, and just understanding of the world around me. Um, pair that with the fact that I'm very hard-headed and I don't like being told what to do. So there's some, <laughs> there's some tenacity there, but I think those two ingredients are kind of the core of why as I grew up, I began to become really interested in entrepreneurship. It was this general ideology of I want to understand why the world works the way it does and then how it works the way it does um and then that just kind of like energy I had of just being like hey I want to figure it out I want to I want to create my own thing I want to build my own thing um you know that's really my origin story and I would say that manifested itself 
over the years as I continue to just learn more about, you know, wealthy people or successful people or top athletes or really anybody who was the best at whatever they did, right? But the best pottery uh, artists in the world, it, it was people who committed themselves to a vision of something that was larger than them and then went on to create a reality around that vision. And so became just very fascinated with that and, and, and you know, started on my journey, which I never anticipated it being what it is where I am now at 27. Um, but I'm excited about what I have been able to accomplish and I'm looking forward to, you know, doing even more um, in the future, God willing. I love it, man. I love it. That was an amazing breakdown. And it makes me want to ask, you know, not only are you a curious individual, you're a well-spoken individual, you're you're a fashionable, a stylish individual. Um, again, you you come off as a very approachable and, you know, an individual that's easy to like. So based off of all of that and based off of what you just said, how has the culture of New Jersey or growing up in New Jersey um, and or however you want to say it, 30 minutes outside of New York City, like what was the culture of your town? Like what was that physical environment like and how did it influence who you were as a young man and who you kind of, you know, transformed into today at 27? I have to give a shout out to multiple places that I grew up in. And as I get older and older, college, and I think you're seeing this too, um, I think it's important to pay homage to all the environments and all the people that have created you, because um, I believe that I am a product of the communities and the ecosystems that have contributed to my growth, um, whether it was positive or negative, I learned a lot. So, um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, I would say overall, like the New York City metropolitan area, I say New York, Jersey, maybe throw Philly in there as well, um, but go Chiefs for the Super Bowl. Um, I think there's just this grittiness, man. Like there's just this hustle, right? Like New York City, in my opinion, is the greatest city in the world. Um, and it's where some of the brightest minds are, but I can for sure say that it's where the hardest working people are. And so I think just that mentality, right? Of growing up there, you know, it's relatively more expensive than other parts of the country. So it's like, you know, you have to be hustling and having multiple side gigs and things like that. Um, it inspired that in me, like that, that energy of, you know, waking up and getting on the train as a kid to go to school or whatever it may be. It's like, I grew up in that environment, that natural environment. You know, I know a lot of different people have different experiences, but I didn't grow up in the, in the suburbs, <laughs> at least initially, um, where it was like, Hey, I could just go to my local store, or go to my neighbors. It was like, you know, we, uh, lived in a project at one point and, you know, we, I walked to school, like, you know, eight blocks like <laughs> as a kid so I think just that grittiness that hustle that energy of like hey you're born into an environment where it's like you just gotta get it I'm not saying that that's always the best um, I'm not saying that that like survival mentality is always the the greatest thing but I do think that it has impressed upon me this warrior mindset of just like hey in order for you to survive in this world and and, and take it a step further be great you have to be willing to push yourself you know to, to new levels and then um left New Jersey, and then I would say grew up the rest of my young adulthood or childhood in Richmond, Virginia, man. So uh, from probably like age 10 to 18, before I went off to school, I lived in Virginia and slightly different environment, um, a little bit more laid back. Um, there were suburbs around us. I had tested into an advanced middle school, um, and then I had gone to a really great high school as well with a good programming. 
Um, and that was my first time being around like wealthy people, right? Like, or, you know, just people from all over melting pot. And so that was a different experience, but that hustle, I still had it inside of me. And so that just like energy and, and, and the ideas that I had really started to take form as I was now coming to, to my formative years, middle school, high school, and really thinking about, okay, who, who do I want to be? What's the type of man I want to be? Who's the type of person or what's the type of person that I want to be? I love that. I love that. And a few questions come up from what you just shared. So I want to ask you, you know, I hear that a lot, the East Coast, especially like close to New York City or just outside of New York City kind of develops this, uh, you know, the, the term you used was gritty individual, right? But sometimes I want to challenge that idea and be like, is it really the the environment that just creates lots of people like that? Or do you have to be built like that? Do you have to, does it have to come from like inside of the household? So I think a way to think about that is, you know, when you think about your friend groups, when you think about the community of humans you grew up around in terms of your, your peers, do you feel like that same energy, at least from that zero to 10 age group when you were growing up in a, the Jersey, New York area, like, do you feel like that same energy um and, and I guess personality or character trait exists in everyone you grew up around or or a large portion of it or was it really just Nasir being a dog <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that so when you're growing up in any environment or any situation or setting right so if you grew up in the midwest or whatever you don't know that there's different until you see different Right. So everything to you, your basis feels like the norm of your reality because that's what you see. And so I think in reflection, I do think that a lot of the people were similar to me, but it wasn't because, you know, everyone had these crazy aspirations and everyone was like, I want to be a millionaire and everyone's like, I want to build businesses. I think it's just the nature of the environment, right? Like it's a tough city, you know, uh, people might try to swindle you if you're not sharp or if you're quick. People are going to test you, like, or maybe they're trying to bully you, or maybe they're trying to, you know, make fun of you. And, and it's like, that's not, it, it's not a cool culture, but that's just the culture, right? Like people in New York or New Jersey are going to be like, man, you ugly. Like just a random person on the bus or walking down the street. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, it, 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 so, so there is this, I think there's this like, environment that inspires you to just be more confident. And like I said, I didn't realize that that wasn't the norm until I went to a Virginia, until I moved to a Kansas City, until I lived in a D.C., like where I was just like, oh, <laughs> not all places are like this. So I think it's probably a combination, right? Like I think it's a little bit of the environment um, and that kind of being just the norm of the culture that like a lot of people in the Northeast are just assholes if we're just being transparent. But also it's like it's not it's not cruel. That's just kind of how the people are. Right. Everybody's like, hey, don't mess with me. And, and that's. I think that on top of a person who has ambition like myself kind of pushes you to, to be, to be more and want to be, like you said, have more of that dog in you, but to do it in a way that's kind still in a way that's inviting the way that's genuine. So yeah, absolutely. great question though. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so talk about those Richmond, Virginia years a little bit more, you know, when you're a teenager or what I like to call a youth or a junior youth, it is a time of a lot of uh, internal self-development. You're learning a lot of 
new things um you're learning you know whatever the typical things puberty learning about girls learning about money learning about drugs learning about career paths learning about a whole bunch of different things that start to influence your behavior your thought process and and how you plan on moving forward as you you know exit that those teenage years and, and go into the quote-unquote real world so what were some challenges and maybe maybe yeah let's let's start with some challenges of your teenage years and what you remember you know struggling with and then I want to touch a little bit on you know where did you where did you think you were going to end up going were you like all right I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study finance and I'm going to do this or I'm not going to college I'm just going to start a business like where was your head at so challenges of teenage years and then where your head was at when you were graduating high school yeah so um I had, I would say, like an interesting childhood, but not necessarily a unique childhood. And again, you don't know that your experiences are not the norm or the reality of how the world is until you meet other people who have different experiences. Um, I would say that at a very early age, I was forced to grow up. Um, and when I say early age, I mean, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 doing my own laundry, making my own meals, like starting to think about how I could like make extra money on the side. And a lot of it was, I think my parents had um, difficulties within their own lives as like individuals, which again, as I'm getting older and older, I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine, you know, having a kid right now as I'm going through all these changes in my life and trying to make sure that mentally I'm at peace and I understand what's going on and I understand my trauma and all that. And so I think in my formative years, which are already difficult for like a young child or teenager, um, as I was trying to figure out the world, I was doing a lot of it on my own. But the spirit of like independence started to just manifest itself over me because I was having to figure out a lot of stuff, trial and error, man. Like you talk about girls, you talk about drugs, you talk about just like, you know, understanding right and wrong. You talk about understanding what you want to do. It's like, man, I had to bump my head kind of hard early on in life. Um, and and while I think I've always led with good intentions, I haven't always made what I would say the right decisions are right. And so you 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 learn I, I you learn from those things along the way. Um, I will say, and and this is why I give a lot of credit to teachers I've had along the way, um, people at my church that I had along the way, coaches, friends, um, my friends' parents. Like I started to put together who I wanted to be. I never wanted to be my circumstances. And even though we you know, we're kind of lower income and I wasn't able to go hang out at the movies every weekend with people. Like I wasn't able to go on the vacations and trips that, you know, these people I saw around me were doing. I was starting to formulate in my mind who I wanted to be and the type of life I wanted to live and what joy looked like to me. And so I'll tell you this one story. I remember um, the first like black excellent man that I had interacted with outside of um, my mom's youngest brother, uh, my uncle was uh, a guidance counselor in my middle school. Forget the gentleman's name to this day, but I remember this man showed up one day, man, and he hopped out like a, at the time, I don't even, I, I don't know the years, but 27, I would have been like, it's like 15 years ago, maybe. <laughs> but he hopped out of Chris, he had the shiny cufflinks, like the gator shoes. Like, I'm not even into that, but it was cool. You know, this is when the suits were still kind of big. So he got the black suit on, man. <laughs> and um, clean, man, clean. And I'm like, how are you? A guy? You know, I, I've always been a very direct person. Like, I just ask people questions. So I'm like, man, how are you a guidance counselor, but you got that brand new range? <laughs> I know this school ain't paying you like that. 
And um, he was the first person that said to me, I'm an entrepreneur. I was like, what is that? He was like, man, I've had some success in business. I have a couple different businesses. Me being a guidance counselor is because I actually want to give back and help the next generation wow. of young Black men achieve. I love it. And that, man, for me, I, I remember that moment and seeing that. And I was like, I want to be like that. <laughs> and so every Friday from sixth grade to 12th grade, I would wear ties to school. Like I would wear like a button down and a tie. And sometimes I would like casual it and wear like uh, jeans instead of dress pants or whatever. But I did that. I started, I started formulating who I wanted to be in my mind and then uh, manifesting that into my reality. <laughs> and so um, that was always happening, man. It was like, you know, dealing with the normal stuff, as you know, of just being a teenager, trying to grow through that, like going through getting bullied, like going through maybe, you know, being the only black kid in like white schools or the only black kid, a bunch of Indian kids in my class, whatever it may be. And then also at the same time, like trying really hard to get myself to be this person that I aspired to be, you know, that was kind of that internal battle and conflict that I was having in those early years. Um, and I would say it really honestly didn't start like seeing it truly happen until probably halfway through college, which, you know, we can get into if you want to head that direction. But um, yeah, that's that that was that was what was happening for me, I think, early on. But I knew that I had a direction and I knew that I had a purpose. I love it. I love it. And so those years, you know, they they come to an end really quick and we get really excited about transitioning out of so-called childhood, being under the roof of our parents, being under the rule of our parents. And we get so excited to lead a new life of quote unquote freedom when we go to college or when we go get our first apartment. So when we think about this, this new version of freedom or, uh, this new uh, access to being whoever we wanted to be and doing whatever we wanted to do. Like, when did that start for you? Like, did you go to college and and live on campus? Did you uh, move out of the house at, at 18? Like, when, when did that moment happen for you where you realized, oh, I'm actually out here on my own for real, for real, having to navigate life? Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> that's That's tough, man, because like, I, I would say that I was never fearful of it because I wanted it. I grew up in a really strict household. I wanted freedom. I wanted the ability to make my own choices. But I was anxious, right? Because with independence also comes responsibility. And while I had been really taking care of myself since I was 10, 11, 12, whatever it may have been, um, I had not actually been on my own. And so as I was starting to think through the next phases of life, I was always, you know, fairly intelligent, did well in school. Um, I didn't necessarily like school, right? Like, I don't like structure. I don't like tests. I don't like quizzes. Like, I don't like, again, people telling me what to do. But I do love learning. And so I remember my grandmother, and I have to, I shout out my grandmother anytime I talk to anyone because she's one of my idols and just an incredible human being. You know, she's an educator. Um, and she believes in the education system for as flawed as it is. She's one of the first people that started saying, hey, you have to, you, you, you need to go to school. You need to go to college. You need to get a degree. You need to figure out who you want to be. You need to be able to build a career. Um, and then, you know, I was at a really prestigious high school. And so everyone around me was in that phase too. The truth is, I don't think I've ever said this like in an interview or anything, but the truth is I was dating this girl in high school 
and I just applied to all the colleges she applied to <laughs> because like I didn't I didn't I didn't you know I, I was seeing that other people were having their parents hire them like college search recruiters mm, and stuff wow. like this and preparing them for all the tests and I was like I have money or resources for that I'm also at this at this time working as well so I'm I'm working yeah. all throughout eighth grade to 12th grade right so it's like wow I don't have time for that like so I just I just literally applied to all the places she applied, you know, high school, whatever, thinking that you're yeah, gonna this person. Didn't didn't end up working out, but I did get into one of the schools I applied for. And so a part of that process was going to the school and interviewing. And you actually got to meet the president of the university on the interview. And there's like a really intimate one-on-one experience with um, the student body and all that stuff. And man, when I'm telling you when I went there, I could feel my greatness. Um, I went to Christopher Newport University um, down in Newport News, Virginia. It's a small school. They have about 5,000 students every year or um, that come through and, 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 and probably like a graduating class of like 1,500 to 1,800 each year. Um, and I went, man, and I was like, this is it. Like I had toured big schools. I had seen different programs. And for me, it, it wasn't necessarily about the programming. It was about who can I be and how can I grow at whatever institution I go to. And when I went and I was walking on that campus, and I was talking to people, I felt that thing that I had desired for so long, which was, this is gonna be a place that really invests in me. It's gonna be a place where I have a lot of support. There's gonna be a place where people care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what made my decision for me, man. I, I, I knew that I wasn't like really sure about how it worked. But I knew that college, quote unquote, was something that, um, I, I had to do for that next step of who I wanted to grow into, um, even if I wasn't completely sold on how effective it might be. Um, and so that was my thought process as I was kind of preparing for that next stage. And then I think, you know, like I said, I've been taking care of myself. So when it came time to go move in and start to make friends and start to really build a schedule and a routine around who I wanted to be and all those things, um, you know, I was well equipped for it. It was a lot of new stuff and it was, it was scary, but I was well equipped for it. And, and, I think I learned a lot of lessons um, in those first couple of years at school, for sure. I love it. I love it. And you just mentioned a few things. Um, but w- what I want to focus on is I know that you're really passionate about being intentional, about prioritizing time and about self-development. So when you got to college, you know, outside of outside of like the basics of having to face challenges and overcome them and then learning from them, what else, like what tools, what resources, uh, what individuals, what programs did you tap into to really lock in and, and improve your ability to, you know, manage your time correctly or, uh, you know, manage, you know, what you were spending your time doing and then what did that look like and how did that like kind of help with that continued self-development? So you get to college, you're, you're having to set up your, your whole new life. You're having to make sure you're passing your classes. You're having to make sure you tap into your interest. You're having to make new friends. So was there anything like a strategy or I know it sounds stupid to use that word, but was there anything that you did like super intentionally to be able to like build those friendships, make those connections, continue to grow while at college instead of just going to class, going to your dorm, do your homework, go to sleep? I've always been an avid reader. Uh, my mom tells me that I was really advanced when I was a kid. Um, 
she said that, you know, you were starting to talk just fluently at two. You were reading early on at three. And I don't know what it is, man. I have to give credit, like I said, to God and the people around me because I feel like I've been pushed in a direction where I just kind of leaned into my natural ability. But anytime I was curious about something, whether it be something about myself or something about the world around me, I would read. I would read books. Um, you know, once we kind of got into the phase where like laptops were like very commonly available, it was like I was just doing research. And so I was just always accumulating knowledge. So whenever I was unsure of something, I would go research. <laughs> it, it could have been something as simple or stupid as like how to talk to girls, right? Or like, <laughs> uh, what should you prepare for in college? And I would, I'm telling you, man, I would just absorb information. And then, and, I, and, and it's not stupid that you use strategy, because I think when you really think about it, we all have strategies for how we develop in the world. And so like, I would then kind of fact check a lot of the information I was taking in by having conversations with people. And I very early on like discovered that, hey, people that are older than you obviously have more experience. Even though we go through the world and think we know everything, they obviously have more experience. And so I would, I would intentionally intake that information and then kind of fact check it with people I thought had been through those experiences. And so that process of like taking information, going and talking to them, processing, and then internalizing, figure out what that means for me based on what I read, what I've gathered, what they told me, their experiences, that helps me make sound decisions. And so did I always make the right decisions? Absolutely not, man. Off the air, we could talk about a lot of stories that I would never <laughs> say publicly. But um, I did kind of have this mental process anytime I was making a decision about something where I would go through that. Okay, what's my knowledge on what I think I should do here? What's the situation calling for in terms of my actions of how I should execute that? And what do I think the consequences of that will be? Because I was hard-headed growing up, I learned a lot about consequences, both positive and negative, um, you know, before I had gotten really older and the consequences would have more weight on my life. And so I always was like avidly thinking about that process, information, action, consequences. Um, Mm. And so information, I think I action, consequences. Ladies and gentlemen, I want y'all to write that down. Information, action, consequences. That's fire. IAQ. <laughs> or I think if I said that right, shoot. Anyways, consequences. IAC. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, create an acronym for that because that was fire. Sorry. Continue, brother. No, nah, man. Nah, um, so, so, yeah, that, that was my process. And then, you know, here, here's the thing, too. You form in your mind a reality of what you think the world is. It could be because your family has influenced you, your friends. It could be because you read books. It could be because you watch TV. It could be because you like had magazines, whatever it may be. But then you actually experience life. <laughs> and you start to realize that like the reality of what is actually happening in the world might not always be what you think is happening or what you think is supposed to happen. And so, you know, I came into college and, and true story. I thought college was about partying. I thought college was about partying, hanging out with people. I didn't understand like truly the imbalance of kind of going and doing school and then hanging out. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know like how much you were supposed to put in each bucket and all that stuff. And so when I first got to college, man, like I was just having a lot of fun. That first semester, it was, you know, 18 years of growing up in a really strict religious household um, that was also in uh, like lower income. So I didn't have access to do a lot of things. And then it's like, I get to college and I'm just like, wow, you mean I can go do that? I can go do that. Like, I don't have to ask anyone. And so that first semester, I actually struggled academically. And that was the first time in my life I had really struggled because school had come relatively easy to me. Um, and then I realized I was like, oh, this is another level. Like this is, I have to, I have to, I have to ascend to a different level of myself. And so 
I give a lot of credit to, I got to shout him out, my, my line brother, uh, Jordan Roach, um, who I eventually ended up pledging Alpha Phi Alpha. And the whole brotherhood, my whole chapter really like helped me get right. But he was one of the first people that was like, Yo, you're too smart <laughs> to be acting this dumb um, and kind of put some of those priorities in place for me. And so I would say, you know, as I said, information, action, consequences. I started to learn very early on that by some of the actions I was making, I was having unintended negative consequences. And I had really great people around me that kind of straightened me out that next semester made Dean's List, the following semester pledge, and then, you know, started a business. Like, and I would say, honestly, like that taking responsibility of your own journey is incredibly important. I think like a lot of the times we feel like other people are going to walk our paths for us, or we feel like, you know, maybe we don't have to put as much work or effort into being the type of person we want to be. But I learned again, very early on 18, 19, nobody's going to go get it for me and nobody's going to give it to me. And as a black man, there's an extra layer of that. And so you know, I had a small period of time where I fucked around and found out and I was like, okay, <laughs> now I have to, now I have to continue to execute. And I mean, I just been honestly in grind mode ever since. I love that. And and with that being said, and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation. I know I am. Um, if, if Nasir will be so kind, we're definitely going to have to run back a part two because I still want to focus the rest of this conversation on the more personal side of Nasir and, and diving into his life. And then if, if it makes sense for Nasir and his time in the in the future, we'll do a part two to tap into the business side of things and, and venture capital and what he's doing in his day-to-day life. So hopefully you're okay with that, Nasir. So um, I want to ask you, you know, you're driven, you're ambitious, you fucked around and found out at 18. You know what I'm saying? You've been grinding ever since then. How are you able to manage or decide whether and you decide how you know in depth you want to get on this answer but decide where to allocate time when it comes to relationships and friendships and and uh and significant you know partner relationships like how do you explore that especially as a 27 year old there might be a lot of pressure to get married by older parents or aunties or uncles there might be this pressure that you should have a a a family already but you know you're you're driven you're you're grinding and and you make sure to focus on what you're doing like like that's one thing for sure if you go look at this year's post you know story right now obviously you can't because this is not a live episode but either way if you go look at his story right now you'll see that he's grinding it's sunday He's grinding. He's at his family's house. He's he's on a podcast now. And this is another version of grinding in terms of branding, getting his message out there. So you're always working. How do you find time for, you know, your, your, your homies, your friends kicking it? And then how do you find time or or do you make time for going out there and exploring relationships with, you know, a significant other or things of that nature? I'll say this. I think our culture has glorified this grind mentality of like if you're not going hard you're not worthy or whatever um i don't subscribe to that <laughs> i mean if that's some people's mentality then fine i think everybody's entitled to think about the world how they want um but i actually don't subscribe to that i think i i work a lot but i think it's because like i'm passionate about what i do i'm very aware of my purpose and i understand the responsibility that god has given to me and so i feel that 
me continuing to work on that day by day, me continuing to work on myself day by day, that it feels that fills me with joy to some extent. Um, but I know that it's not always sustainable, right? Because you get tired, you need to take breaks, you need to rest. To your point, you need to hang out with friends, you need to get out in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to talk about relationships uh, because of the fact that I spend a lot of time alone. I spend a lot of time in my head. I spend a lot of time working. You know, but I do have great relationships with people. When I say relationships, I mean not just romantic, but also platonic um, and, and, and even in kind of the business realm. And I would just say um, my overall thesis on life and, and how I build relationships and who I choose to spend time with is I give energy to people that give energy to me. I reciprocate energy. And so a lot of my closest friends, um, you know, the relationships I've had that have lasted the longest in my life uh, romantically were also, I guess, people that were great friends initially um, or became great friends. It's, it's people that understand that I am someone that's attached to my mission and are okay with that and honestly support me in that and, 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 and know what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are um, and give me grace and give me, you know, good energy in a way. And I know it's not all about me, um, you know, I oftentimes find myself like supporting my friends in a lot of different ways too, but that, that, Hey, I'm going to be invested into this just as much as you are is really, really important to me because you'll see Carlos, And if you haven't already, some people are takers, <laughs> some people are takers in that they want to be associated with you. So as long as it serves them, they're not reciprocal. I'm a giver by nature. And so it's like, it's hard for me to continuously be giving and not getting because I can't pour from an empty cup. And so I love, you know, people that continue to pour. It's small things, man, like you coming on this call and hyping me up, right? Like, I didn't ask for that. Like, I, I didn't expect that, but I, but I got it. Now I'm like, man, like you, 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 you physically transferred positive energy to me. And that's real. And it makes me want to do the same now back to you. It makes me want to give. And so um, I think, man, it's just about knowing your limits. Like for me, I know I can only work to a certain amount each day before I'm like, I need a break. And then, yeah, I'll call a friend or maybe I'll go grab a meal or like I'll go to the gym and stuff like that, like with a friend. Um, but it is difficult. And I think lastly, I'll just wrap up and say, you can have everything you want in life. You just won't have it all at the same time. And it'll always take effort. And I think what I have learned is that you have to be intentional. You have to be willing to do the work. And so for the relationships I've had in my life that have lasted for years, for a long time. I'm currently in a um, relationship with a significant other and great person. She's amazing. But um, it takes work, man. It takes, it takes just as much work as you're doing on yourself. It takes just as much work as you're doing on your projects. It's just a different type of work. And you can't look at it as a business. You can't look at it as a project because relationships, emotions, they're different. But it does take that intentionality and that commitment of like, hey, I want to be here. I want to show up. I want to be involved in this and then figuring out what that balance is. So it's tough. Um, you know, check in on me in six months. We'll see, we'll see where I'm at. But it definitely <laughs> that's real. <laughs> that's important to me. Something it's something that's it. important to you. And I would love one day to actually hear your thoughts on that because I know that you are someone that does have a lot of great relationships and does manage to treat the people around you just with consistency and intentionality so you might have some lessons to teach me man one day one day we'll chop it up <laughs> but today is all about you so i want to ask um 
I want to ask one final question that will kind of lead us into a future conversation. And again, God willing, we can make time in your schedule and, uh, you know, whenever we can make time in your schedule to do a part two to dive more into the business aspect. But to set that conversation up um, and lead out of this one, I want to ask you, you know, you're super focused on self-development from my understanding. And it's a constant journey every day for you, just like it is for everyone else. But I know it's something you're intentional about and something you care about. So how do you plan on incorporating your self-development journey into 68 Capital's mission to invest in underrepresented founders? And maybe touch a little bit on 68 Capital and the mission so that people kind of understand the question I just asked. And then we can lead into a full-on conversation about everything, business, VC, underrepresented founders in part two of the episode. Great question. Um, I think that the determination that I have to always be a better version of myself and be constantly assessing my own personal weaknesses, my own personal kind of critical mass points, if you want to call it that, and then being better every day is quite literally what a startup founder does with their business. You have identified a problem. You have also identified a solution and you're continuing to drive and iterate that solution on a day-to-day basis to allow it, or I guess to enable it Um, to help as many other people as you possibly can that are experiencing that pain point, that problem. And so I think the passion for me and being a venture capitalist, having been a founder in the past, is I like solving problems. I'm constantly solving problems within my own personal self and my own personal being. And being in this space allows me to help others solve those problems at scale. Now, you know, once we get into the next conversation, we can talk about how do you then turn revenue from that? How do you then turn profit from the revenue? And how do you really use it as a driving vehicle to create wealth for yourself and others? Um, but at the core of it, that's it. A startup is someone who is taking a massive amount of risk to try and solve a problem that they're passionate about. And so I think that my skill sets and my qualities are naturally suited for that just because that is something I do on my day-to-day basis, um, my day-to-day lifestyle. And so it transitions very well into really what we're doing. And I think at 68, you know, we have a model for specifically helping underrepresented individuals, um, i.e. people that maybe have never started a business, people that have never known that there were capital resources out there. And so, you know, we can continue to go down the rabbit hole of this. But I think, like I said, at the core of it, it's wanting to identify um, and solve problems at scale and using technology as a way to automate some of that process. Love it, man. I love it. You are extremely well-spoken. You're extremely intelligent. Not that we expected you not to be, (laughs) but uh, I just want to acknowledge you for that because I really enjoy talking to people who can, you know, let their thoughts exist in the world because they know how to communicate it out loud really well. And that's a talent. That's a skill that should be respected. honored and honed for individuals who don't have it yet. So I just want to acknowledge you for your ability to communicate really well. I want to acknowledge you for your ability to be, you know, genuinely curious and humans from from the get go from moment one of meeting them. I want to acknowledge you for the good energy you put out there in the world, inspiration, light, um, and, and you're able to do it in person really well. But I just want you to know you're able to do it online as well. And since online is such a huge thing in the world right now and everyone's existing on there i think it's important to be able to emanate the positive energy we emanate in real life online as well and you do that so i just want to acknowledge you for those few things 
Um, before we sign out today, can you share with the people where they can find you, how they can support you? And then we'll be back on for a part two in a few weeks. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for creating and giving me this opportunity. Um, I think you're doing something really special by highlighting people in our culture that are doing amazing things. And it speaks to your gift to be able to bring out the best in others, which is also, I'm sure, aligned very well with your purpose. So continue on your mission. And I know that God is going to um, support you throughout the development of your journey as well, man. Um, but uh, I, um, I'm on LinkedIn uh, for, for Strictly Business on there. I'm on Instagram, uh, a little bit of business, a little bit of play. Um, so I think people can find me there. Um, my email is nasir at 68.capital. So I'm always checking my inbox and looking at really interesting opportunities and seeing where I can help people. But um, all my social handles are Nasir Chris or at Nasir Chris, no spaces, hyphens, underscores, anything like that, special characters. Um, yeah, so give me a follow. This conversation was interesting. Would love to chop it up with, with anyone that wants to share knowledge on how to be better um, or how to grow something. And, you know, look, I'm always looking for that next billion dollar idea. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming conversations because I think that as people come together and collaborate, uh, you find new ways to do really exciting things. So again, thank you for having me, Matt. And I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a part two set up here shortly. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Matter of fact, I know you enjoyed it. This is your host, Carla Stutz are signing out of another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. Send to a friend as that is the only way we can grow. That is it. Signing out. This episode of the Voices of Value podcast is sponsored by CGS Fitness, a health and wellness company owned and operated by the host of this podcast, Carla Stutzer. Carla Stutzer helps busy professionals lose weight, improve their physical and mental energy without giving up their favorite foods by using his metabolic optimization protocol. If you're interested in coaching with CGS Fitness, whether online or in person, make sure you shoot an email to Coach Stutzer at coachstutzer at gmail.com saying, I want to get healthy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Voices of Value podcast. We'll be back next time.